0: <laughs> and this is the Joe Rogan Podcast. <laughs> no, we're welcome back to the Seek Strength Podcast. Today's podcast is on uh don't sweat the small stuff or don't stress the details. Uh stopping a Money Bitch. Um Stopping a Money Bitch it, is
1: the unofficial title of this podcast. But we can't,
0: can't say uh, that. Undoubtedly. It's it's a phenomenon man, 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 of beginner athletes across all sports, honestly. Um Especially as if the person is older and then they are a beginner of their sport, yeah, it's a phenomenon of people just um just worrying about this the the minutia
1: too much, you know, yeah uh, just oh, two seconds there, yeah, I think like the the uh, so like what we call like adult onset athletes um do tend to sweat those kind of minutiae a hell of a lot more than what you'd see if like, and this is like, these are broad generalizations, but this is exactly what this podcast is all about. Uh, but yeah, it it tends to be people you see coming into a sport um, or coming into training a small bit later, they tend to get very, very caught up in, in a load of small things and they kind of end up uh, not being able to see the wood for the trees, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, so thinking about thinking about the things they're doing in training so much that they don't concentrate on the particular session. Thinking about the things they're doing with recovery so much that they don't train hard enough to kind of need a recovery. Um, thinking about things like technique so much that it probably gets in the way of them actually doing the lifts and actually like completing good training sessions. So today what we're going to do is go through, there's probably four main sections to this and I'm sure we'll start adding to that but um in terms of programming in terms of technique in terms of nutrition and in terms of recovery uh the kind of places where people get caught up with um the minutiae as go would call it or the the kind of smaller details that don't really matter too much uh and it ends up getting in their way like they start tripping over their own feet
0: wait are you saying um we're just just in case anyone thinks we're not actually doing a scripted podcast um no 70 episodes later we (laughs) haven't done it now and we're not going to start now right (laughs) so what was the first thing this is the audiobook
1: um, uh this no i think the first thing we should talk about is programs and like obviously programs is something that's close to our heart we sell training programs we have lots of athletes who do our programs we get questions about them every day which is absolutely great uh like Mm -hmm. people don't understand something they should ask the question we do live streams two or three times every week uh, we do lectures with our members every week and make sure all those questions are answered. But I think there's definitely a point, and I don't know about you, Gareth, but what I found is, like, when athletes start training for or programming for themselves, this point gets really, like, them concentrating on the program too much really gets in the way. So, like, they mm-hmm. might have gone to a CrossFit class for a year, two years, three years, and now they're going to do, like, some strength work on the sides they're coming in for an extra half an hour three times a week or four times a week and they're going to program this themselves uh and the amount of times i've seen people fussing over like whether it's eight reps or 10 reps or like they did one rep extra two weeks ago and now they're worried they haven't progressed you know you know just um
0: just to point out as well like we're not ragging on people trying to educate themselves or learn like this is Absolutely this isn't the required stage yeah. you need to go through to be a good coach or a good athlete or someone who can program you know this isn't the stage everyone goes through um there's a huge difference between you know seeking knowledge and you know uh progressing along your journey of trying to f- figure out things and you know ask questions of people who are more educated than you more experienced than you this isn't this isn't at all what that's what we're ragging on but rather what we're kind of focusing on is you know people especially like Fitz said when it's on your own training people focusing way too much on stuff Mm -hmm. that absolutely does not matter and then ending up in somewhere either paralysis by analysis or ending up you know program hopping or as Fitz called it like squirreling programs so like just running from one program to another and people asking you know why the program is the way it is but not because they have a solid understanding of programming right now right and then they want a further understanding they're just asking because um in some ways it's it's fear is too strong a word but it's kind of a a trepidation about beginning a program you know or a a kind of a a lack of confidence maybe in their own knowledge that they need to figure out why something needs to be or figure out why something is the way it is rather than be honest you know there's a lot to be said for just shutting up and doing it sometimes, you know, and just doing that program.
1: Like how I'd. Um, the example I always think about in my head, right? And I haven't verbalized this too many times, so it mightn't come out right. But it's like you hand somebody a big lump of timber to cut into, right? So they have this length of timber. You say, uh, Gurf, I want you to cut this up four ways or whatever. And they have a handsaw, they have an axe they have a chainsaw and a circular saw in front of them and they start off with the handsaw and they're like working away and like yeah this is probably working jeez it's very slow though then they're like oh i'm gonna go to the axe next they start hacking away with the axe and there's shit flying everywhere and things aren't really working and the beast timber is definitely getting cut up but it's not getting cut up as they want then they might go to a chainsaw and say oh jeez the chainsaw's too aggressive and they kind of hop between all these programs and like If you look at people with their squats, they'll usually start squatting and they'll do something relatively intelligent. They'll do like three sets of eight, four sets of eight, five sets of eight. Then they might do sets of sixes. They might start building more sets of sixes. Then they might do sets of four, building more sets of four. And usually what happens is the person is saying, oh, I've been training for two years. I squatted for four or five months and I put 10 kilos onto my PB, which is phenomenal. But then they say, I want to put 20 kilos onto my PB and they'll go and do German volume training or they'll go and do small of junior or they'll go and do squatting every day or they'll go from one of those to another one of those. And then you usually go from something that's relatively intelligent and then you start sweating details and wanting more and then you go to way too much almost immediately. The uh, the analogy used there remind me of a show I saw before one of those you know
0: random survivor shows and yeah. they were trying to kill a chicken or a oh turkey Jesus uh, Christ. and they had a sledgehammer and an axe and what do you think they used to kill the turkey? Not Obviously the they used a sledgehammer. No, of course they use a sledgehammer. Oh my! But you know God. what, Fitz? Do you know the analogy, right? I'd rather use A sledgehammer than thinking about should I use the sledgehammer or the axe for the next four hours rather That's than just very killing the turkey. That, yeah and getting it over with you know far better just to get on with it use a sledgehammer you'll be much you'll progress so much faster if you just do any kind of training dumb as it is do the german volume training rather than sitting there thinking about why is that important will you be able to see what you're doing does this meet all the criteria of programming um you know i'll be honest with you as well right a lot of coaches won't admit this um but coaching is much uh, an art as it is scientific principles because scientific principles aren't solidified you know they're not solid like they the reason there's so much like for example velocity based uh, training is because it's it's the first one where it seems to be showing good promise in terms of progression and people are latching onto it because it has some kind of basis and it seems to be repeatable and they seem to be able to hang on to it and like that's why it's been latched on so much because there's so much else out there that is not fully you know, solidified and there's no good grounding principles. Like there is people understand the patterns of training, you know, and they understand what works, but not always why it works, you know. And honest to God, if someone tells you they understand exactly why it works, they're lying because they're, the <laughs> principles aren't fully realized yet, you know. And that that is like and you can have a good understanding of the science, you know, and something at like the arts, you know, but there is like there's still there was a was reading a paper recently about like they're not really sure why linear progression works, say, as opposed to like, um, you know, kind of like concurrent training or something like that. Yeah. Like there there isn't really so like you're much better off just getting your sledgehammer and killing your turkey and then figuring it out in hindsight and looking back at what worked. Yeah, I think
1: I think just kill the turkey. with the Yeah, they're killing the turkey with the sledgehammer is the perfect, the perfect analogy, because the amount of times they've had it where someone's doing like they'll start the gymnastics program and they'll be like, oh, I just want to get a muscle up. And they'll start a gymnastic program, and after two weeks, you see them doing, like, fucking handstand training. You're like, I'm sorry, oof. what? what's going on here? And they're like, oh, yeah, so I was looking, and then went off and did this. And it's like, you've got somebody going around like they're hunting butterflies, you know, like chasing around mm-hmm. the gym with a net, catching imaginary air. Uh, just, like, find a program and stick to it. Like, Martin, the German coach who coached girl for a while, or kind of help Gurf out for a well, while? Well, no. I think we just got some knowledge from him. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, he had a great saying, Gurf, and that was like, you just need to believe in your training like you believe in a religion. Like, it just has to be faith. Uh, like, it doesn't matter. The most important thing is that you trust the training and you do the training, not the kind of minutia of, oh, is it an extra set now this week or an extra rep this week? You just really have to believe and commit to a training program.
0: Like, um, fuck, what was I gonna say there? Oh, for fuck's sake! Why does this always happen? <laughs> always happens. Did you get to take your meds you again. Can, oh, I don't know. I, I, oh, fuck me anyway. I can't remember what I was gonna say. Anyway, you know, it's like you, you. Uh, I'll, it'll come to me in a second. But you know those individual sets the, the random ones i have it you know very often people who are um and it's funny me asked us remember and a few weeks ago on our facebook live stream about the uh, what you do when someone won't listen to you um very often i f- i would find it's the people who are the most sure of what they know that the, what they're doing is the right way and they won't listen are usually the people who aren't progressing And I know it sounds kind of paradoxical what we're saying, but very often they're the people who have gone and asked so many questions or looked at so many different things and they're fully unable to put it into practice, you know, in training. Like, for example, someone might need to improve their mobility and it might be holding them back and they'll spend half an hour doing loads of random different drills you know very very intricate drills like you know kelly starr would have um put out or something like that you know and they're, and they're not effective you know and some of them just weren't effective from kelly starr's they were just order used to it. some of the stuff he did out was like phenomenal but some of that stuff you know and they'll spend half an hour doing it and they'll feel like they're training but they're not really you know they're jumping from one different drill they'll spend four or five minutes you know setting up for that drill then spend two seconds doing it kind of shake their shoulders out a little bit and they're like kind of you know get ready for training but in reality they spend months just going absolutely nowhere and just spinning their wheels
1: like i don't know about you but as a coach right when you have somebody who shows up to a class and say it's like a saturday weightlifting class or, or for one of the seminars you know when you have somebody who shows up and they ask you like a short question and they're not stopping you halfway through your answer to the question to be like i i i and i meant to like keep adding on mm-hmm. to the question you know a short question and they listen to the response and they say like, okay, or if they don't quite get it, they might ask like to clear up one or two details, but somebody who has a concise question and then they just say, okay, thank you. And walk away. You're like, that person is definitely going to succeed as an athlete. The -hmm. person who has to tell you their 15 minute cliff notes of their entire training history, which is usually six months long. And then, tell you all the ways they're different from everybody else. (laughs) Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. yes, As as you're answering the question, they start answering it for themselves. You're just like, oh my God, you're doomed.
0: (laughs) Telling you why their case is different, you know. Um, Yeah, that is funny. Honestly, like I just really, really can't stress this enough. Like we can't stress enough how much farther you'll get and how much you will progress if you just use the sledgehammer. So we're not saying... So, like, and that's if you not are mean...
1: if you are in the position whereby you're slaughtering turkeys, uh, please mm-hmm. don't actually use a sledgehammer. No, there's much better ways of killing turkeys. Yeah. Um, so,
0: but in, in that analogy, right, so we have a sledgehammer and we have an axe, right, just to clear things up a little bit. Both of those will work, you know. So we're not talking about doing training where that doesn't work, that doesn't make sense, you know. You're not trying to do... You're not trying to improve your tenor and back squat by rowing for a half an hour, you know. Yeah. It's the it's di- difference in the details between do I do 3x10 this week or do I do 3x12 this week, you know, it really doesn't matter, like, you just do, let's say you're, you're trying to improve your one-arm squat because it's, it's the simplest form of progression, you know, you do some high volume and low intensity, the next week you do some lower volume and a little bit more intensity, and then last week you do higher intensity and lower volume, you know, and if you go through that with the sledgehammer, like, the details of that with the axe are a little bit more fine-tuned and there's a few extra weeks, but ultimately both of those do similar things, you know, that that is the most important thing with training, and that, that will get you so much farther, now obviously you should always be looking to use the axe, but if you're not really sure, just grab whatever you can that looks like an axe or a sledgehammer and go for it in terms of programming. Like I really and you will figure it out. And if you are in any way, you know, uh self analytical or you're in any way critical thinking, you'll be able to look at something and like it's like it's like, you know, making a statue out of stone. Every time you look at it, you'll be able to get a little bit of a clearer picture, hopefully, if you possess, you know. Yeah. And if not, then just go get a coach and get someone who knows what they're doing and do what they say. And get better because ultimately, th- trying to do it yourself is not worth not progressing. You know, you're much better off. Progression is so is worth it so much more than you know flailing your arms if you can't do it yourself. Absolutely. And either of those are very reliable options, you know, in terms of, like programming. You know, you just use the side if you have to. I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Just get training, you know, and get it done at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, and I think the advantage of that as well, Gurf, is that you start to. Accept things, and you start to realize how good things are. When you go from using that sledgehammer, uh you go from that to using like a very, very sharp cleaver, and then you're like, "Oh mm-hmm. fuck, this is amazing!" You know, and you like yeah. you leave yourself that room for growth, and like yeah. learning how to deal with the sledgehammer approach gives you a lot of very, very good like tools. That like your your recovery will have to be on point you're everything to do with your warmest, everything will have to be really good because you're using the sledgehammer approach and that, that not very yep. well refined programme. Um and you'll become a very good committed athlete and then when you do get to use the the very sharp cleaver or whatever it is um you have that that oh, this makes me sick. You have that toolbox of skills. <sighs> oh Jesus But on a serious note you will like I think yeah. programming really stalls people right? Um, the, yeah. the paralysis through analysis with programming is unsurpassed, right? Possibly only by one thing. And that's by paralysis through analysis with technique and particularly in the weightlifting movements. Like when you see somebody and they're like, oh, I'm turning my elbows in now at 48 degrees and you can see it. And they take three minutes to set up for a clean and they're like their body is shaking because they're no longer able to maintain the position and they're like Mm. everything is set my chin is stacked like it looks like they're squeezing a tennis ball in between their chin and their chest like they look like they're about to pull 300 kilos off the floor in a deadlift and then they're cleaning 55 kilos like that is a huge mistake and then you get a 15 year old into the gym and you're like uh Rob, clean that there, will you? Yeah. <laughs> teenagers are the best, and they, they snatch the it by best. accident. <laughs> You're yeah. like, "Oh no, we're only doing the clean." Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah.
0: Know, like te- obviously, teenagers are the best. They fucking, are, they're just no questions. Teenage boys, honest to God. Oh my will. god! Like when we talk about adults now, it's a different story. But teenage boys are phenomenal <laughs> to coach. They're the fucking best, honestly. They just do it and there's no questions. And I'm not talking about, you know, like, like you should ask your coach something sometimes, but sometimes you shut the fuck up, honestly. Like, just, just do it. And teenage boys, the one of the reasons you see like fucking 17 year olds clean jerking like fucking, you know, massive numbers. Like, yeah. they
1: just get on with it. They fucking do it. Like, yeah. But that is like, I think if, and there's definitely a lot of people listening to this, right, who are really into weightlifting and they're learning the lifts themselves and they're learning how to coach the lifts themselves. And,. Look, weightlifting lends itself incredibly well to high levels of technical uh, deconstruction, like thinking about everything, thinking about the movement, thinking about the flow of the movement. But to be honest, if you're standing 20 meters away and you can't tell if it's a good cleaning jerk or not, like Mm -hmm. you're missing something. Uh, Yeah. Like the jerk. (laughs) But it's... You know like you can tell these things from the broad sense of the movement obviously then there's are small things right there's people yeah. who will put up a video in like the members page and it'll be a tiny change you know your your mm-hmm. toes are coming off the ground in the in as the bear yeah. passed your knee they fix that and suddenly everything gets way way better mm-hmm. and you need to start paying attention to those small things when you're yeah. at a certain point or at different points like inflection points during your training you know if you're If you've been making progress and then the progress starts to slow and just as it's kind of decreasing, then you probably need to start paying attention to those. Or if you're just starting to improve again and the weights are getting heavier, then you need to start looking at those. But in the vast majority or like people looking at the fucking depth of their squat, if it's like, Mm -hmm. is that my hip crease now below my knee or is Mm -hmm. that my hip crease below the crease in my knee? Or, you yeah. know, like, those things don't yeah. really matter. Like, you just, mm-hmm. you need to be squatting heavier weights more often for more reps. And then you get better at squatting. Yeah. um, You know, the, like,
0: the context as well of when you're asking the question is so important as well. Like, for example, you know, when people put them on our the members, you know, feedback analysis, you know, they just put it there. They're not, very rarely, they ta- they might, they'll they give us some context for the lift, which is, which is more, very important. Useful. And then they will just, you know. They'll just leave it there, you know, and they're not asking. Very rarely are they asking, like, should my shoulders be internally or externally rotated, which is one of the worst things I think that ever came out of, you know. I think it was Taroku who started this, and yeah, I fucker. wish he would have never have done it. <laughs> like he, you know, who's jerking big baits is not people who think about that stuff. Honestly, it does not matter. Um, you know, like low bar versus high bar. You know, people were calling out Mark Rippetoe before years ago yeah. about he said low bar is fine. Do you know what? Low bar is fucking fine. It doesn't matter. Like it does yeah. not matter. Do you know what matters more? Is if you did. You were still think, you know, who getting further? Someone who just winded, ended up low low two eighty instead of someone who was still thinking about low bar
1: versus high bar. Joe you know, you'll just further get so than much. any of them. Somebody who said, yeah. "What? What do you mean low bar? Is that still a back squat? Yeah, on oh, high bar still back squat? Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's that, fine. That's, that's fine. I just, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't go off and do two eighty. Yeah. You know, it's it's
0: <laughs> it's very important. Like, um, moving on to into nutrition, I think is is another one where people probably. Yeah, people, uh, mo- so in our kind of sphere, people don't worry so much about um the diets they use, but rather they fluctuate chubby like? being chubby. Like, yeah, <laughs> it is like I find so our powerlifters and the crossfitters don't really have this problem where they talk to us an awful lot about being uh, chubsters, you know, because they're not like because powerlifters are usually fairly the modern day powerlifter is a different beast than when I started oh powerlifting. My God, yeah. Um, Like Jim are talking about if he ever had to exercise, um, if he ever had to walk for exercise, he was going to kill himself Um, because he was just a fat (laughs) fuck like he said that like he genuinely (laughs) said that whereas like our modern-day powerlifters now you know our our 90 ipf powerlifters they follow their they eat their chicken and rice tupperware boxes which gets a lot of slack or whatever and they're not they're in good shape yeah and then if they follow a good program they do okay our crossfitters um they do a lot of them that come to us you know are not i won't say they're not they're somewhat more talented than The average CrossFitter are the more goal-orientated ones, so they have a decent diet. And then they're training a lot, so they're in good. But then we have our weightlifters who are little chubsters, you know, and they're they're little chubby cunts, like, and they (laughs) just worry about... And I really mean this now for you (laughs) listening. I'm not singling out anyone because it happens so much. It always comes up about... Weightlifters always worry about doing a mini-cut or, um, you know, losing a bit of fat. Um,
1: And this is everyone, like... Yeah, we could cast a net over like the few hundred people who've been on weightlifting programs and been like, we've done it ourselves. Like, yeah, it's just
0: the problem with weightlifting is you, you when you are powerlifting, you can go do some a lot of extra cardio at certain points and it yeah. really won't affect your lifts, you know. But whereas weightlifting, it's not as easy to do that. Um, but everyone worries about being a chubster But on a whole, people worry too much about um, you know, like we have two like extremes now, like carnivore and vegan. Uh, I am actually listening to Paul Saladino's The Carnivore Code book at the moment. Um. I do like some of the principles like but there is a certain kind of in diet you know there is a certain kind of um, religious like fervor just like oh fucking God, like yeah. intensity you know just yeah. like no no like I, I do think eating organs is is a phenomenal source of nutrition and I really like that idea you know but it, buying into do like it's just calm down like you know yeah. just humans luckily are the way we are because we can eat a lot of things you know like there's just And there's definitely nuances to diet that matter. Of course, they're the details, you know, that that people much smarter than us understand, right? But really, like, the overall arching principle of diet and nutrition is just don't be an asshole. Don't eat like an
1: asshole. (laughs) Yeah, that's literally it. It's like, stick to the right amount and then make Mm -hmm. sure the ratios of protein, carbs and fats are okay. And that's it. You know, like, like... granted in terms of for performance or in terms of the 10% at the at either end of the extreme like then you need to start looking at more important things but like it's not that complicated and then I think what really throws off people getting their diet in any way dialed in and you're looking at somebody who just had Nutella on toast for breakfast you know like banana bread with chocolate chips for breakfast oh you dirty bastard yeah I made some last night it wasn't bad Ah. <sighs> You're really getting into the baking, me. but uh, yeah. Jeez, I lost my train of thought there altogether. All <laughs> <yeah, you're>, like, <laughs> well, the, the food porn way is people stop having good like lifelong habits. And they stop having good like habits for the length of their training career because they go from crash diet to crash diet. They go from mm-hmm. six months of on cutting down to the fucking seventy sevens and then it's like oh I felt terrible as a seventy seven and you're like, Mm -hmm. All right Martin but you didn't have to be a fucking ninety six three weeks later like and then they're like I feel great as a ninety six. I feel great.
0: Yeah. Yeah like just it it like the diet thing is just, you know, be be cool bro. Just fucking people stress about it too much. Yeah. Like just um like obviously there were some great diets out there and there's some very good people who disseminate information about diets. And I should definitely think you should go listen to that because at no point is more information not useful if you are in any way critical thinking and if you're able to entertain thoughts in your brain without assuming they're fact, you know, go yeah. listen to... Like, always consume information about everything. More information is never a bad thing Um, if you're listening to it kind of passively without any uh, objective in mind, you know, just like consuming information to be able to think about it later at the time is always useful. So that's why... um, Like, I do like like i'm saying about the carnivore code like I'm, I'm not gonna you know that's the name of his book Paulo um i'm not gonna go eat carnivore like i'm not gonna eliminate all carbohydrates plants and fruits from my diet like i have absolutely zero intention but i do like i do like the information he provides and it's useful to think about the information yeah like at all points like those details in the right context are good to have i think like you should always be trying to progress and we'll do a podcast i think at another point on how to learn you know and how to educate yourself on certain subjects but like but ultimately like i listen to that but then i don't go right that's it no more fruit now for me no more rice no more carbohydrates i go mm, maybe i'll try eat a bit more liver for you know me, like
1: for me the important thing on the diet one is like it's not the fact that you don't go and do it it's the fact yeah. that you don't go to everybody who's in any way remotely friendly with you and be like bro i can't believe you're eating fucking bread or like putting it on your instagram story be like yeah the fucking bread conspiracy or like yeah you don't go you don't start grabbing sliced pans out of fanula's hands you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) i know i made banana bread last night
0: like like
1: so just it
0: is it's so important you know and you know yourself like we don't need to tell you what to do like just stop eating like an asshole like you know Instead of eating cookies for breakfast, like, don't eat the cookies for breakfast. Like, they're simple decisions to make. And, like, there yeah. is good habits you can set up. And there's always, there's, like, extremely positive ways you can set up your life for nutrition, you know. Yeah. But just don't be an asshole is, is the best way. And, like, if we were to, um, like, if we were to ever write a book on nutrition, it would be called Don't, be, don't Eat Like an Asshole. And yeah. the first page would be Don't Eat Like an Asshole. And that would be the whole book.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. The last thing, then, is recovery. And oh, people yes. If you train four or five times a week and assuming you're not doing anything drastically mental with your training. So it's like you've relatively good diet. You get six to eight hours sleep at night. You don't have an extremely stressful life and your program isn't trying to murder you. You don't need to be going to cryo chambers. You don't need to be doing saunas and steam baths four times a week. You just need... Relative, like you need comprehensive recovery protocol, and the number one comprehensive recovery protocol is having a lifestyle that's fairly conducive to recovering well. Like most people who don't recover well are either training so much, which obviously everyone wants to train more. Most (laughs) athletes need to train more. Like if you're trying to bring about a physiological adaptation, but like the number one thing is just setting up your life so you can recover fairly well, like going to bed at half nine instead of going to bed at quarter past 11. And obviously that's not applicable for everyone because people work shift or people have families or people do all this stuff. But recovery, you don't need to be getting a membership to your local spa so you can go and use the plunge pool, you know? Like, nobody needs to do that. Like,
0: the latter three quarter point there of my last training cycle, right? I was training between seven and nine times a week and I didn't I didn't go to any recovery pool. I didn't go to any sauna. I didn't um I didn't, you know alter my diet. I just went to sleep and then I had decent nutrition, you know, and I was able to tolerate that training. Like your recovery if you have really good sleep and really good nutrition you have 95 to 99 percent of all the possible recovery modalities covered you yeah. could possibly that would have any positive effect on you um okay like I, there i was able to train that much because i was able to recover you know from that but i'd also built up the ability to tolerate that much training at a certain point for a certain period of time and then you can only you can o- you can only do so much training for so long and you, it has to be within your ability to recover you know no amount of 10k recovery cycles or um 30 minute e on a Sunday are going to help me recover from from the training, you know. We like really that is need
1: to talk about the fucking 10K cycles and oh the 30 minute so cycles and all this. So, so you people expending you know, more energy. I'm going to just fucking empty up on this and then you can go. Price. You okay. expending more energy and doing more training doesn't flush more fucking blood to your legs. It doesn't clean out your liver. It doesn't replenish glycogen. It does none of that. It expends more energy. And if you wanted to recover better, spend the 45 minutes you were going to spend playing around on a foam roller and going on the fucking Concept 2 cycling erg and go to sleep. Eat a banana and go to sleep. That mm. is how you recover. Like, oh, I don't know where it came from. The act of recovery. It's CrossFitters. It's, 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 it, it's all the fault. And it's yep. it's literally like you have too much training ADHD that you won't allow yourself not to go to the gym and you have to do something mm-hmm. and your coach is like, oh, um, do a recovery cycle. And it it's literally yep. being like, your coach is telling you you're not allowed to train and I have to make you do something so you feel like you're doing something good. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm not going to tell you that that's what I'm doing. So I'll call call the recovery cycle. Like a recovery workout
0: doesn't have any... You know, as of yet, no one's shown any like biochemical or biochemistry, you know, metabolic pathways or anything or any kind of legitimate mechanisms of action for a recovery workout. There just isn't all uh, recovery workout is in for open quotes, in quotes. There is is um, it's a lighter workout that you're very able to easily recover from. And it's just a light day. It's a very, very light day. So then you're incredibly. Well able to recover from that. So then when you go back to your next day, your normal heavy day or
1: actual training day, you've had no problem recovering from yesterday's trip. Yeah, and absolutely. And if you see like athletes and they're after doing a triathlon or they're after just playing a game or they're after doing whatever, a huge physical exertive session and they hop on a bike for 15 or 30 minutes, they're doing a cool down. And there is a huge difference in cool down Mm -hmm. and there's obvious Good benefits from cooling down correctly, but you going to the gym the next morning and doing a fucking I, I don't know what doesn't make you recover. It just makes you less tired. So you know, but if you wanted to recover really well, wrap yourself up in cotton wool, eat some mm-hmm. food, and go to sleep, and wake yeah, up like when your quads don't hurt. If you if you look at it like from
0: energy expenditure, if you expend energy or if you don't expend energy which will you have more energy after (laughs) so if you have a way of replenishing your energy and then you don't replenish your, or if you don't use energy versus if you do use energy which scenario will you have more energy after obviously the day when you don't use energy you know it's that simple and it isn't and don't let anyone tell you (laughs) that there's any good evidence for recovery workouts because there isn't so there is some ones for example if you are training twice a day and, you know, if you use, like, um, a cold pool or something to blunt inflammation so you can train again later to yeah, yeah, yeah. limit the processes or you do some, um, like, fit set a cool down after training, then there is, there is some studies on that, you know, a little bit or something, you yeah. know. But and in the reality, stuff like
1: blunting, The stuff on blunting information is quite... In inflammation, not information, mm-hmm. is quite interesting again because, like, for most of us, right, for most of us, we should be in some way promoting inflammation because that's what will bring about changes on a biochemical level like inflammation is the reason we are able to get hypertrophy gains you know it's the reason we're able to change muscular structures and you going fucking stopping all the inflammation immediately after training is Mm -hmm. like granted if you're injured and you have to train the next day and you don't want your knee to be inflamed then ice it but if you want your knee to actually heal up you should just leave the inflammation there for a while you probably shouldn't be promoting it like heating it straight away, um. But like the thing of icing things and stopping inflammation and and stopping that swelling immediately—that's important in athletic grounds, whereby you have to train or you have to play the game, might be the next day or a few days after. But in terms of, for most of us as recreational at, recreational athletes, who need to bring about some sort of change or adaptation. We don't have very, very strict guidelines and, and timelines we have to adhere to. You shouldn't really be icing things that much because um, the inflammation is there for a very mm-hmm. good reason.
0: Um, I think that's kind of everything covered, is it?
1: Yeah. I feel duly wound up after that now.
0: <laughs> you're, not, you're not supposed to feel relieved
1: though. I feel a bit relieved, but I think like, uh, yeah, I'll just need to have a chat to myself for another hour or something and then...
0: <laughs> you always get so angry
1: uh, but yeah honestly don't like don't sweat the details you know like yeah. the mush, very best athlete mush on what's just,
0: that just mush mush on just go for it like yeah. head down kill the turkey with the sledgehammer like. be
1: the sled dog you know be yeah. that fucking... yeah
0: yeah like,
1: obviously our, a lot of our listenership are into weightlifting and weightlifting draws in people who are deeply analytical it lends itself very well to people who are very analytical because of the nature of the movement but don't don't lose it all because you're up till three o'clock in the morning looking at old russian training texts. you know mm-hmm.
0: and there's nothing wrong with that at a certain point as long as you don't no, go the next no. day and try implement it just do it
1: just do you know do your program um like but by God, don't do a fucking 10K recovery cycle unless you're trying to get good at cycling 10Ks.
0: Like, I was th- we were saying this the other day, you know, we're reading, um, so it was performing the pay-per-viewing, like cluster sets, you know, and I was like, I wish, I wish I knew an athlete who trained like this. I wish I met someone who was this scientifically rigorous yeah. um, analytical about their training. Any athlete, any sports, anything. But I just haven't. And we've never met someone like that. Fitz doesn't know someone like that. I don't know someone like that. Like, I, I wish, I want to meet an athlete who is that deeply critical of their own training. But there's just not. There just isn't. No. Um, And I'm sure there there might be out there, but we haven't met them yet. I, w- I really want it, but it's it's zero one. like, in yeah, that game yeah, yeah. of, like, you know, and most the of them are is, just, like...
1: You know, when you bring up a cluster set, sorry for cutting across you, but, like, cluster sets are something that, if you did them... It seems as though there's evidence there you could get significantly faster or more powerful by using cluster sets, right, uh, and have less adverse effects in terms of recovery. But nobody's scientific to the way of like they're nobody's that far up the scale, you know. Everybody's scientific to the way whereby they'll like keep jumping around from program to program because they want to find the best one or they'll keep trying this novel method and keep trying this and keep trying this and and look at all these weird biomechanical things. Uh, but nobody's going to put a barbell on the floor and do a power clean every 30 seconds for mm-hmm. six minutes, you know? Uh, and, you know, you might even mistake, like,
0: uh, like, Matt Fraser there and Tia, you know, you see them training. But, like, at the end of the day, like, they're just doing what fucking Shane fucking or who seems like a funny man. He seems genuinely hilarious that's yeah like he's they're just doing what he tells them you know yeah. they're eating their food he eats what his wife gives him. he does the training he's supposed to do and then he's, he's he flogs his sponsorships <laughs> and then he wins the
1: games that's what yeah. he's doing you know that's it full so stop um, um thanks very much okay. for listening Uh, be sure to use our discount code at com. <laughs> if you um <laughs> uh
0: if you wouldn't mind we would appreciate a review on itunes um a follow on spotify and then um if you listen on soundcloud just press like or something but i don't think it matters too much on soundcloud but but itunes matters for the reviews and the the ratings and things um love you guys thanks bye love you bye